Okay, hello everyone. Today we will be studying the Mishnah for Sunday, March 6th. The second and third Mishnah in the fourth chapter in Mesachet Demai. A very exciting case today. The case is as follows before we read the Mishnah inside. Ruvain is getting married. And Ruvain really wants his friend Shimon to be at the wedding. So not only does he send him an invitation, and not only does he make a vow that says, I vow, I promise that you have to be there. He sort of goes one step further. He says, my, the interpretation of my vow is as follows, is that if you do not attend the wedding, I vow that you will be prohibited from benefiting from any of my property. You will not, we will not be able to eat together, dine together. You will not be able to come into my house. So the invitation came along with a threat. The problem was, is Ruvain is an Am Haaretz. And as we know, uh, Shimon, and Shimon apparently was a chaver, and sh- you know, somebody, um, you know, he was a scholar, and he did not want to eat by the Am Haaretz, his friend Ruvain, and he didn't want to insult him. So says the Mishnah, Ochel imo says the Mishnah, that Shimon could eat by Ruvain in order not to create animosity, create Eva. So I'll just sort of read the Mishnah from the beginning. Somebody made a vow that his friend must eat by him, and if he doesn't eat by him, he will not be able to benefit from him henceforth. And Reuven is not trustworthy regarding Maishot. The first weekend, apparently in those days, they celebrated weddings in a much more exciting way than we do. They actually had a 30-day celebration. One Shabbos, two Shabbosim. So the Mishnah says that the first weekend, the first Shabbat, you can go ahead and eat there and you could trust even if this was all set up before Shabbos, right? Yesterday we discussed a Mishnah that if you ask the Am Ha'aretz on Shabbos, then the Am Ha'aretz is believed. Here we're discussing a case where this was planned ahead of time. So you don't have the exemption of the earlier Mishnah, but here it's different because it came along with this vow. But you sh- should still ask the Am Ha'aretz was, you know, were the proper tithe, you know, proper maestrot taken. And the... Am Ha'aretz has to respond. Yes, indeed, in fact, the proper Maisrot were taken. But this exemption only lasts the first Shabbos. The second Shabbos, even if it means that you will not be able to benefit, you cannot eat until he separates Maisrot. Okay. Because apparently the fact that you won't join uh, the second Shabbat will not create too much animosity. The main thing is to be there for the beginning of the events celebrating this wedding. Uh, the second weekend of celebration means less for Ruvain, and therefore the permission was not granted, and one should tithe the food which you are eating. Moving on to the next Mishnah. Very simple Mishnah. There are many gifts, and I know someone you know, remarked, a couple people actually pointed out that they're still a little confused about the various gifts. I do plan on writing sort of on a sheet that perhaps you could sort of download, you know, always have available on your phone and, you, could, you know, could as a go-to uh, to be reminded of what's Truma, what's Meister Rishon, what's Meister Shani, what's Meister Ani, what's Truma's Meister. So hopefully we will uh, get a chance to do that shortly. Uh, so our mission discusses the gift called Meister Ani. What's Meister Ani? Meister Ani replaces Meister Shani on the third and sixth year of the Shemitah cycle. Again, Meiser Sheni is the one that's brought to Jerusalem. Meiser Ani is the tenth given 
after you've given to the Kohen, after you've given to the Levi, you take another tenth and give it to the poor person. Rebbe Ezra says, When it comes to Demai, you do not have to give the gift to the poor. Because the assumption is that the Amharetz took care of this gift. The Amharetz uh, cares about poor people. Uh, the, he, he assumed that, that it's a very strict form of uh, tithing. And says Rabbi Ezer, you could assume that he gave it to the poor person, so you don't have to worry about that tithing when you purchase produce from a Am Ha'aretz. Again, just to make it clear, Rabbi Ezer says, if you walk into a Am Ha'aretz shop and you buy produce, you do not have to take any produce and give it to the poor because the assumption is that this pile was already taken care of by the Am Ha'aretz. Chachamim disagree. Chachamim say that... Then no, one has to call the name and you do not have to separate. So let's explain the Chacham. The Chacham tell Rebbe Yezra like this, that there's always two aspects to the separation. Right? We spoke about this a couple times, two aspects to the separation. The first aspect is that every pile is considered tevel until the proper gifts are separated and given from it. But the second you establish and designate one part of the pile as trumer or miser, then the rest of the pile becomes permitted to eat. So you have a whole pile, let's say 100 bundles of wheat. The 100 bundles of wheat are considered tevel. It's not kosher. You cannot eat it. So what do you do? You then designate one part of the pile as your truma, or one part of the pile as miser. And you take care of the gifts, and then the rest of the pile becomes permitted to eat. Now, you then have to give the truma to the coin, and give it to the levy. But even before you do that, the rest of the pile is already kosher to eat. Once you designate part of the pile as truma and miser, then the rest of the pile becomes permitted to eat. So says the Chachamim, this is what you do. Designate part of the pile as miser ani. Say this part, the, the top part of this pile, that's meant for the poor. The ain't sarch lahafir. Says the Chachamim, but you don't actually have to give it to the poor. Why? Because when you discuss monetary issues, because that's what this is, because the poor person is going to come to you and say, hey, this is mine. And you tell them, well, how do you know this is yours? Maybe the Amharetz really, in fact, already gave to the poor. And in which case, I'm not obligated to give it to you, which then turns into a monetary dispute. The monetary dispute, the rule is that status quo wins and the person gets to keep it. So the whole purpose of calling it by name, in other words, designating part of the pile as Maisarani saves the rest of the pile, but then you could go ahead and eat it. So really, you're not losing anything by doing it, because in the end, you'll be able to eat it based on monetary laws, which state that if there's ever a doubt of who owns what, then you get to keep it. So, But the only reason we're very strict about Demai, because it's not just a monetary issue, right? In other words, usually we're dealing here with a forbidden food, because maybe this food is, is you know, it's not allowed to be eaten because the proper separations were not done. Okay, I hope that was clear. Um, have a good rest of the week. And I'm recording this from before Shabbos, so I was about to say Shabbat Shalom. Okay, uh, we uh, have finished for the day. As always, I uh, thank you so much for taking time every day to study some Torah.